0: Hello and welcome to the Ireland on the Fly podcast, the weekly podcast covering the latest news, reports and interviews from fly fishing in Ireland. My name is Dara Whelan and we'll be covering salmon, sea trout, brown trout, even pike and bass throughout the season as we find out about the future and tradition of this sport that we all love in Ireland. We'll be speaking to guides, instructors, gillie's, fishery owners, anglers to find out more about what it is that makes this sport so special, from the history to what's going on right now and also to maybe try and get a sense of where we're all headed. For the very first episode we're going to be speaking to Shane Gallagher, the manager of the drows fishery. The drows of course opens on New Year's Day, one of the first rivers to open and regularly gets the first salmon caught of the season. Shane's going to give us an update on how the first 10 days went, and we'll also find out a bit more about the fishery, how his father bought it in 1978, and how really developed that tradition of January the 1st for salmon anglers. So without further ado, here's Shane Gallagher from the Giles Fishery.
1: It's of January now, and uh, no salmon have been landed here. Um, conditions have been good. Conditions were good on opening day on January 1st. Water levels were lower than normal. It was extremely mild, and it's, it's continued mild really since opening day. Weather's changed now. It's uh, very stormy out there today. It's turning colder and there's heavy rain forecast over the weekend. But uh, there's been some sightings of um, of fresh fish. Uh, and yesterday, there was a fish loss just above the new bridge on, on Spinner, but uh, no, nothing landed yet.
0: And what about numbers of anglers out?
1: Yeah, it's, it's been quieter now than normal. Um, I think that I suppose that the, the trend recently has been uh, that fish haven't been uh, caught as frequently on opening day, so People are probably waiting until there's a bigger head of fish in the water to uh, to come out in numbers, um, and probably things like uh, whereas maybe some years ago people would uh, you know freely travel on uh, New Year's morning, you know if people are celebrating the night before they're probably reluctant to, uh, to travel too far.
0: And isn't the funny thing is like the conditions are actually getting milder, if anything, around kind of New Year's Day that they're more conducive and accommodating for anglers to get out, but. The reality is, like you said, is maybe the run is happening that little bit later now.
1: Yeah, I think there, there's definitely, um, like, <clears throat> I was just looking at the the figures there today, like, we, we took over the fishery in 1978, and, like, there was um, an opening day fish, first of January, maybe multiple fish, or, like, I think on all but a handful of occasions up until my father passed away in 2002, and, like, you know, you would have had uh, very cold conditions, very high water, so... It didn't really seem to matter um, the conditions so much, uh, you know, back in the 80s, 90s. I think there was just a bigger head of fish. There was uh, fish running at different times <clears throat> earlier, you know.
0: Mm. And do you think, it, are you putting it down to a lighter run or and lesser numbers, a combination of all different factors?
1: Yeah, I, well, I, I think um, personally the spring, uh, the, the number of spring fish caught has, has been consistent really. Um, but when they have been caught is the, the factor that, that's changing. So... Um like the, you know, the, and, and the quality of fish, e- e- even last year now, uh, we were probably getting, our, our, our run time seems to be extended, uh, whereas before, maybe at the end of, uh, maybe middle to the end of April, the, the spring run would have been all but over um, in the river, maybe back in the 80s. it's you know, it's extended now, but it's it's definitely contracting at the start of the season. Of, of the season.
0: And, and are you having to change anything for yourself in terms of the running of the fishery to reflect that? Or do you think, I suppose what I'm asking is New Year's Day, opening day, it's still going to be the mark in the calendar, isn't it? It's still going to be the tradition. No matter yeah, uh, well,
1: I think so. Like, um, if, if you look at some of the, uh, the, the Scottish fisheries, um, you know, uh, say, Tomorrow, now is the 11th of January. You have the Hamsdale, the open <coughs> opening, you have the Tay opening on the 15th. So, like, you know, there are other fisheries around the country that open open early. Um, even in Ireland here, you have the, the Lennon and the Lacca and, and, and Lockhill. But uh, the opening day stays stays the same. But, like, if you look at, say, the, the Scottish fisheries, probably only the, the River Tay now and open on the 15th will consistently open, that, op, uh, you know, deliver a fish on open day. It's probably, uh, you know, if you look at all the opening days, of fisheries throughout Ireland, England, and Scotland and Wales. Uh, it's probably the exception rather than the rule to produce a fish on the first day of the season for for any uh, for any river. So, you know, it's become an expectation, but it's probably uh, exceptional rather than than the norm, really. Mm.
0: And in fairness, opening down the drowses is, is about anything but fishing in many respects, Shane, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. Like, um, it's it's a tradition. <coughs> um, it's it's a chance for people to get together. It's it's a long winter. It's probably <laughs> After the Christmas holidays, it's a long time to spend cooped up with our family members as well. So it's nice to get out on the water and maybe test some, um, you know, new fishing uh, tackle at pad for Christmas. Uh, and it's a tradition. I think it's important. Um, even, say, on closed fisheries like the River Liffey, there's a dispensation given to anglers to fish on, on the 1st of January on their traditional open day. Because I think it's an acknowledgement that, it's as you say, it's more than just fishing. It's uh, this heritage there, this culture, there's there's a whole part of, of of what salmon angling really
0: means, you know? Yeah, and I didn't make it up this year, but I was there last year, and I, I just, I was struck by, yeah, it was carnival atmosphere is maybe the wrong word, too strong, but it was real sense of camaraderie and chatting to other anglers, you know, who'd been coming for 10, 20 years. Again, they just make it a, a tradition of making yeah, a point of coming. it. it would be certainly
1: a... A, a big part in a lot of um, Salmon Anglers uh calendars and you know we're, we're we're very proud of the fact that we've had people uh like uh, there's a guy Darrell Kennedy he got for a salmon I think when, when he was eight years of age in nineteen eighty two and he, he hasn't missed the first of January uh, since uh you know he 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 was brought down as a boy with his they his her, uh, Trevor Kennedy and uh it's just you know uh, from generation to generation and it's uh it's become a mark in the calendar. Probably there's a, as many um non-anglers or non-fishers just up to see to talk to anglers and to see what the you know what's been caught or what spawn was like and just to have a have a chat just uh, it's it's a long enough close season and it's just a nice uh, nice way to um, to to mark the the start of the season Uh, like I suppose opening day is important you know it's an important day on any fishery but when an opening day coincides with the first day of the the year as as well it's sort of it's sort of extra special Uh,
0: Did you say Daryl he was eight years of age when he caught
1: yeah, Daryl, Daryl Kennedy from uh, Moira in County Down. He's, he's, he's a butcher and um, he, he's been coming uh, every year since then. So he, he hasn't missed... Uh, he, he was there this year again and, you know, dr- driven through snow and ice and everything to, to be here on the first. And he, he's married himself now with, uh, with a young family and he's... uh He's, he's still making the pilgrimage every every
0: uh, year <laughs> and of course, as well for you and your family, uh, Shane. It's uh, Christmas is obviously a busy time for everybody, but for for the Gallaghers it must be exceptionally busy for you guys trying to get everything ready.
1: Yeah, well, we we, we certainly turn our attention from from turkey to salmon <laughs> once uh, maybe on, on Stephen's day, and you know the phone starts ringing and we start to get emails and people asking about conditions, and we're always keeping a, a, a weary eye on the uh, on the weather forecast. So yeah, it, it, it's a big day. Uh, my own my own children love coming up and and uh, <clears throat> talking to uh, talking to anglers that they haven't seen you know it, it, for, for three months from the from the end of the season. And yeah, it's it, it certainly it's uh, it's probably the biggest day in in in, in the fisheries uh, calendar and the biggest day in, in our family's calendar. Absolutely.
0: Did you get out do any fishing yourself?
1: <clears throat> no, no, <laughs> I haven't. I haven't fished uh, on an opening day since I think I was about maybe since I was I, I was a boy. Um, it's always it's been all hands on deck, so uh, it's uh, <laughs> maybe in the a couple of days after I, I was out for it for the first time, just uh, just in the last couple of days, and um, I didn't didn't do any good. But uh, it's nice to be back on the water again.
0: And again, what I have to say is like what I love about being up there is you know it's an open fishery on the day. You know you're you're really trying to encourage numbers and people to come. You you provide soup and sandwiches. It's. You don't have to do it, but it's it's just again it kind of adds to the overall atmosphere in the day. I think.
1: Yeah, well, I, I suppose that was the way um, the way it always, uh, as I remember as a child. As I say, like my, my father, uh, his he grew up in the banks of the river, um, and his first open day was in nineteen seventy eight. He had actually caught the first salmon on two occasions before he, he bought the fishery, but uh, I suppose hospitality was always important. Um, I think on on the first our first open day. There was maybe a dozen anglers. Uh, was all that was uh, turned out, and um, over time, then I suppose the fisheries reputation grew. And it, you know, it would have been uh, an open day fish. There was always a bit of rivalry with the uh, with, with the with the Liffey. So my father sort of pushed a boat out to try and um, to try and put uh, put the Drouice on the on the map. It's the you it's a small river. It's only five miles long, and it's draining. From, it's coming from the, the, the county with the smallest coastline in the country, County Leitrim. So uh, it, it was important to just sort of make make an ex, extra special effort to make it worthwhile for people to, uh, to, to to come.
0: Any particularly memorable fish from opening day down through the decades, Shane?
1: Yeah, I, I suppose I suppose every fish is memorable in in, in its own way, really. Um, uh, it's, it's it's hard to maybe you know. Uh, but but uh, I suppose the most memorable fish would, would have been in uh, maybe the, the opening day that my father actually passed away in 2002. Um, Patsy Tracy from Hennessgillen caught the fish in, in the mill pool, and it, it was probably late in the evening. We'd almost given up hopes of, of a fish being landed, so it was starting to get dark around four o'clock, and um, Patsy came into the tap shop with with his fish. and had the usual celebratory uh, crest of town, or Jemison, and uh, my father had which turned out to be the last photograph uh, that was ever taken of him with the with the first salmon of the year in two thousand two, and uh, minutes later he went he, he went away to wash his hands after handling the fish and uh, got a heart attack. <clears throat> so that was the, the, that was probably the you know the most poignant uh, first salmon of the, uh, uh, that, that I remember. You know, mm,
0: I I suppose if anything, some place to go wasn't it for your father? You know, in terms of absolutely.
1: Yeah, uh, well, you know, he, he was relatively young. He was, he was only sixty five. So, but. I, I, yeah, I think if uh, if you had to pick a way to go, that you know, that would have been the uh, <laughs> that would have been the, probably uh, you know one of the the best ways.
0: And, and for you then at the time, because it was sudden, um, Shane, was it very much then kind of the you were nearly forced into having to take over the running of the fishery maybe sooner than you thought? Was it?
1: Yeah, possibly. Like like I, my father had been in you know relative ill health for a, a number of years previously. So I, you know, I, I was, you know, uh, I, I had come home to, uh, to to help out really, but I hadn't expected to be, you know, thrown in at the deep end. I, I was only, I think, twenty five, and I, you know, I had expected to learn a lot more from him and maybe, maybe sort of shadow him for uh, a couple of years, sort of uh, at the fishery. But uh, that's that's not how it turned out. And how did you so, find um, it
0: those initial few years in terms of when you were? Yeah, well,
1: I, I, I was very lucky. With uh, we, we have a very loyal, um, uh, loyal anglers, loyal. Uh, Season permit holders, and they uh, likely to would be, you know, would have been a real stalwart there, and uh, and the general goodwill of the community. I think, um, you know, we've always tried to be very much grounded in, in the in the community, and, and there was a lot of goodwill there. So, you know, without without the support, the help and support, and, and of my own family as well, uh, it would have been much more difficult. But, you know, it, it turned out. You know, it's uh, it's, it's probably. There's all those difficulties, and I suppose, especially with salmon fishing and, um, you know, there's a lot of pessimism about uh, salmon runs and um, uh, about the future of salmon and the in general, Uh, but it's, uh, like, we're 18 years on now, so things, we're we're still open and we're still, uh, there's still a good, healthy number of of salmon coming, so it's uh, it's worked out okay.
0: Talk to me about that in terms of salmon runs and the pessimism around it. Um you wouldn't subscribe to that, would you?
1: Sure, certainly the number of salmon uh, re- returning are, are, are reduced, but uh, I, I don't think there's any doubt that there's still sustainable fisheries in, in Ireland, um, but by any measure, you know? So, um, like, I, I don't think that because uh, salmon isn't produced on opening day consistently on the river anymore that it can be taken as a bellwether for the overall health of a, of, of a system. Like, you know, one swallow doesn't make a summer and one, one salmon doesn't make a season.
0: Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do the catches um, hold up for the droughts for the rest of the year?
1: Yeah, 2019 was a good year. Um, as I said, the, the spring run has been uh, consistent. And if you remember, 2018 was it was a drought year, so it was much more difficult. So <clears throat> the, um, the, the 2018 catch stats are, are out, and the, the catch really all over the country is down by a third or more um so I, I put a lot of that down to uh, the, the sustained drought uh, <clears throat> in, in the peak of the uh, of grill thrown in, in June, July. But if you look overall, I think the in 2018, even though it was, it was a difficult year overall for salmon, the, the, the spring catch was actually increased from, from 2017.
0: Okay. Uh, tell me this. Do you think a lot of it is around the pessimism of it? And, and it's, you know, we're seeing extremes of weather. There's a real, you know, you've climate change you know the wider kind of existential issue of kind of what the hell is going on with the with the planet and and the environment in general is kind of feeding into that kind of sense for anglers that you know you don't know the run is changing you don't know what's happening it's it's just there's no definitive answers
1: anymore no th- well that is the main frustrating thing that i i, I would see as uh, being somebody who manages a salmon fishery is that there is no um there is no one fundamental cause that can be pointed at, and you know I, I, I've studied the, the literature and the journals pretty, pretty uh, rigorously, and you know one study could come out and say point uh, indicate one uh, reason for a decline in salmon, and then it can be contradicted six months later, and you know so it's it's very difficult to have uh, any any consistency about uh, a, a single cause. So th- I think the, the, the real explanation is that there's a, lo- a lot of different causes. And uh, any approach to address the decline in salmon is going to have to have to be holistic. And uh, you know, if, if we continue to um, just focus on one aspect of salmon decline, then we're not going to solve any issues. We're 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 not going to increase salmon numbers, and uh, you know, it's, it's it's just going to be, be, it's going to spiral uh, spiral further down. Really, uh,
0: what can you do as a, the manager of a salmon fishery? Like, what's within your control? Um, that you can manage yourself?
1: Well, I, I think one of the fundamentals has to be um, has to be habitat. Um, like, you know, pe- people will say that <clears throat> um, over-exploitation, ex- exploitation by anglers or catch and release is a solution. If you look at from 2007, I think the exploitation of salmon has reduced by 96% uh, since the ending of the drift nets, but we're still seeing a decline in numbers. So if you look at the uh, recent EPA report on water quality, Water quality has, has reduced in the last twenty years. There's only a handful of uh, pristine uh, rivers or, or streams in the country at the moment, uh, you know, com- compared to twenty or even forty years ago.
0: And isn't that incredible, Shane? Actually, within the context of the EU Water Frameworks Directive, because we've heard so much about that, and yet when you're still reading that, the water quality is still going down.
1: Yeah, uh, like it's uh, well, I suppose there is increased uh, intensification, maybe of farming, and there's increased population levels. But it's it, it's a fundamental thing. Like if uh, you can release, you know, every salmon in the system, and if the habitat isn't there, or if it's not of a sufficient quality, you're not going to get any uh, additional. You're not going to get any additional salmon coming back if the uh, if the habitat is, uh, habitat is degraded. It also
0: struck me as well, just from that um, report as well on the catch report from 2018. Just remind me the figure for catch and release. Does it come to hand for you? I just I can't remember.
1: Yeah, I, I think it Somewhere around uh, maybe forty-five percent. Yeah, we're happy forty-seven percent in twenty seventeen. But the majority so, of, it,
0: of salmon being caught are still being killed.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. But uh, the, the majority—well, actually, not not the majority. But all of the salmon that are uh, being, being harvested or being, being killed uh, are being harvested in uh, fisheries that have been deemed to be sustainable above the conservation limit by the Standing Scientific Committee. So it's not uh, anglers are not randomly killing fish or harvesting fish; they're only being harvested in in salmon in in salmon waters where they, it, it's, uh, it's deemed uh, sustainable. And I, I would say as well that in a lot of those uh, rivers where anglers are harvesting fish, uh, commercial nets are, are taking um, you know sometimes the, the lion's share.
0: Yeah, that's a fair point. Like um, I suppose maybe an angler is a lot of the time feels. That they're the easy target sometimes um, when there's when there's other bigger forces at play.
1: It, it's very easy to say you know we're we're going to control the controllables and and reduce um <coughs> you know reduce what, what, what anglers take, but if we don't uh, address the fundamentals like uh, water quality uh, protection uh, of you know then all all the other uh, sacrifices that anglers make are, are for nothing.
0: Just want to bring you back, Shane. Just finally is um. 1978 is when the drows uh, first opened. Um, you might just talk to me about, it. it was incredible, your father, Thomas, in terms of the fishery became available um, and it was the first time in a couple of hundred years that like, your family actually, who had owned and had lived on the river um, for centuries, actually w- had access to, to fishing there. Is that right? You might just t- give me the background to how your father yeah, came well, to buy the, the um Actually,
1: our, our family had uh, grown up uh, my, I'm actually living in a house now, which was a mill, which was my grandfather's grandfather's mill, and milling was sort of in 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 the blood. So my my father uh, grew up, uh, and he, they had a, a corn mill that was turned into a, a sawmill. And um, so back in, the, in in the maybe mid '70s, he, he was supplying a lot of uh, wooden fish boxes before plastic fish boxes, you know, came into being uh, to the important bags, which is just about a, um, an hour's drive from the fishery. So over time, he, he became allergic to the sawdust. Uh, so he, he was advised medically, basically, that he had to, you know, to exit the industry. And it just so happened that um, the fishery uh, uh, here came up for sale. So he, he took the plunge and um, he started to develop some of the fish uh, cottages that were on the estate into holiday cottages, and he developed a relationship with a, with a German tour operator called Andres Angelreisen. and it, it was extremely difficult in the early days because even though um, the stocks of salmon were, were, were probably more than they are now, uh, you know, you were in the middle of the troubles, uh, there wasn't very many direct flights into Ireland from some of our, you know, uh, destinations like there is now, so it was really a real struggle, but uh, it, it was, thankfully, it was a success story, and, um, you know, we're Thankfully, to this day, we're uh, we get a lot of repeat customers. Some, as I say, going back to uh, you know to the very beginnings of, of our association with the fishery.
0: Did people think your father was mad at the time when he when he bought
1: it? Yeah, I think so. Uh, there was probably uh, probably an element of that, but I think uh, he was lucky because he was a local uh, because he had an intimate knowledge of the river and. Um, he he encouraged uh, locals, and he you know. Whereas before it was managed in a way maybe where locals were excluded, and there was there was probably a little bit of resentment there. So when the community was behind, uh, you know, my father in its management, and they saw over time uh, the beneficial effects of increased anglers and increased tourists coming into the area in the local bars, restaurants, and shops. Uh, certainly, like for a small community in North Leitrim, it's as good as uh, as my father used to say, as good as a small factory. To, uh, for for employment in the area, you know,
0: was it was the fishery priest nineteen seventy eight like uh, a private fishery only at the
1: time was it? It, it was it went through various uh, guises. My my uh, grandfather, my, my my dad's dad, was, was actually a ghillie on on, on the river uh, back in the in the nineteen twenties, uh, and it was probably more of, of, a, of, a, of a, 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 a shooting estate back then than not, not fishing. Well, uh, Kingsmill Moor, like in one of his uh, in uh, a manly fish, uh, he, he, he devotes a chapter or two to, to coming here to fish. It's, the chapter is called uh, "The Big House," uh, which was, was actually burnt down in in the nineteen thirties. But uh, yeah, the um, it, the fishery at one stage was associated with the local hotel, but um, it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been uh, fished by many locals
0: at all, really. Mm-hmm. But uh, so your dad really had this vision then was to kind of make it open for. For more people and 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 to really kind of bring the community and people together with the fishery, which is the way it should be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know now there's there's moves towards um, say river trusts and bringing everybody in the community, uh, getting people involved in river management. And I think maybe my father was ahead of the time back then because when he was growing up, um, he he grew up on the banks of the river, uh, literally within uh, a rod length from 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 the waters of the river. And he wasn't allowed to fish, of course he did, uh, like a, like any young young boy would. But, uh, you know, he would have been ran by gamekeepers and bailiffs and all the rest. So I, I think that really resonated with him. It, it struck him, and um, he always felt that if he ever uh, became the owner of the river, that, you know, he would uh, make it uh, or run it in such a way that uh, even to this day, like, we, we don't charge juveniles to fish. um all, the, all they need is their, is their government license. And uh, to just to uh, have it always within the reach of ordinary people, and you know, I, I know other fisheries uh, will have fly-only policies and will have beat systems, and all the rest. But like that's not really our our uh, ethos. Um anybody who wants to, uh, you know, fly fish only on uh, two miles of riverbank, they have the opportunity to do that to do that wherever they want, really, and uh, they have the, the where it all, But not everybody can can access uh, a quality salmon river where they have a chance of, um, of catching the fish if they are of modest means or if they want to fish, uh, if they want to spin or if they want to bait fish and things like that. So it's important to, in, in a time of dwindling participation in salmon angling, I think it's very important to make it less exclusive, uh, to encourage people to participate. Like most of us that are fishing would have started off fishing maybe with a worm, catching a trout. And... If we, you know, nobody starts off uh, spay casting when they're six or seven years of age. So we, we have to introduce people into salmon angling somewhere if we want to protect the, the future of the sport.
0: So what does the future hold for the dryers fishery?
1: To be honest with you, I think that the future is uncertain um, because of the way salmon is being managed. Um, you know, both nationally and internationally, we, we need to take it seriously. I think if you look at... Um, the, the um, conservation level attainment of the droughts since the conservation limits were introduced uh, over 13 years ago, we've been at the maximum of 300%. So we are sustainable, but uh, the very fact that we're sustainable doesn't protect us from changes in regulation or policy or uh, what, what's in vogue or what's uh, what's in fashion. So like fun- fundamentally what I think is that we uh, Anglers have to have a choice if it's sustainable um, and if, if it can be, you know, if it's not going to have a detrimental effect on stocks in an individual river population, anglers should have the choice to retain their catch. I mean, that's, uh, it's, it's what gives salmon angling, in my personal opinion, it's, it's what gives us authenticity. And uh, legitimacy.
0: Well, it's going to be a long road ahead. That's for sure, uh, Shane. We might touch base with you later in the year to see how the kind of uh, the later run and maybe the grills run is getting on with you guys up there.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Because you know it's going to be interesting to see how the spring run turns out this year. Um, if if you look at uh, there's some research done uh, by the Tweed Foundation about uh, dominance of you know salmon runs and, and grills runs. And that we we may be moving into a, a period now where the where the grills are, are are less dominant and and spring salmon become more dominant. So there's there's many theories out there, and I suppose nobody really it's like salmon fishing itself. Uh, nobody really knows all the answers or has all the answers.
0: All you know is if if you get the, if your flies on the water, that's the only way you'll find yeah, out. Yeah, and,
1: <laughs> yeah, and you you won't catch any fish when you're when you're not on the riverbank.
0: Exactly. So if people want to find out more, want to get in touch in terms of um, organising fishing, what's the website?
1: Yeah, the website is uh, dravissalmonfishery.com and we're also on, on Facebook and Twitter and uh, any, anytime if anybody's any questions or like, I'm always available.
0: Brilliant, and we'll keep an eye out for the uh, the first salmon of the season to be caught up in the Jaws. Shane Gallagher from the Jaws Fishery, thanks very much for joining me. You're very welcome, Daryl. Thank you.